Brother Clint, you can uh, share whatever uh, the Lord has put into your heart. And at the uh, last 20 minutes or so, we will start with the question and answers. For this, this time, we are going to have a question and answers. Yes. Thanks, Fidel. Uh, so, my name is Clint, and this is James here with me. And I lead a church here in uh, the United States in uh, a city called Joplin. It's right in the middle of the United States of America. And uh, we were actually in, for those of you that don't know us, we were in Goa last year, late last year, uh, for the purpose of, uh, you know, teaching and demonstrating the kingdom of God. And uh, we've got a short time here today. Fidel, maybe we should do like a huge, big old online conference, you know, and just go, you know, all day and teach several days in a row and just get all your people together and just blow it up. And then we could have healing sessions and, and stuff like that. Um, but... Yes, brother, that's, that's a good thing. Uh, we can uh, come that, yes. <laughs> that's awesome. Um so, um, you know, I don't know where to start here. We, we've got a, a half an hour, and James is going to share a little bit, too. The first thing that you're going to notice about us is that we got work clothes on. <laughs> we didn't come here in a suit and tie because we're doers, and we're getting ready to go door-to-door and heal the sick. You know, in the past few months, we have seen uh, multiple people who are blind see. Um, uh, There was a guy we just prayed for, laid hands on, James and I, and uh, he was blind for 34 years. He was shot in the face uh, with some bird shot with a shotgun, and he hadn't seen for 34 years. All he saw was black and a little gray, but he had no sight at all. And we laid hands on him in Jesus' name. And the next morning, he woke up and he said there was goop trying to come out of his eye. And his eye was even uh, uh, deformed on the inside. You could see his pupil was shaped like a football. And in uh, the next morning when he woke up, stuff had come out of his eye and he was able to see and read. And he has, right now, he has perfect vision in his right eye where he was blind. We saw another woman who was completely blind. This is on our door-to-door outreach. We knock on her door. She's never seen us, never known it, never met us, never heard of us. And we come up there and she says, I'm blind. We lay hands on her and we watched her eyes turn on. Okay. This stuff is not by accident. We do this at will because we have the authority of Jesus Christ to heal and give life. Uh, just laid hands on a woman the other day, last Sunday. She uh, needed a partial knee replacement, and uh, she came in on a cane and just hobbling in. You know how that looks when they hobble on a cane. And uh, she came in in a great deal of pain, and we laid hands on her. I, I said a, a short command for the need to be completely restored and healed. And she stood up immediately, immediately. And the woman that brought her 
starts laughing. And I'm like, why are you laughing? You know, what's going on? She's like, she couldn't do that. She couldn't stand up at all without her cane. She stood up and uh, she walked around normally and she walked out of the house carrying her cane. Uh, you know, I, I've got hundreds and hundreds of stories like this. <laughs> Sometimes you just want to tell stories the whole time because it's the evidence. It's the proof. It's, it's the proof that brings the validity. A lot of people have doctrine, but they don't have Jesus. A lot of people can teach doctrine, but they're not overflowing with his life. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, Jesus didn't say this, uh, greater doctrine will you teach when I go to the Father. He said, greater works you will do. And we, there is no such thing as a gospel without works. There is no such thing as a faith without works. James declares it, faith without works is dead. So no matter how fancy your doctrine is, no how, how, how much of a big fancy ministry you built on your doctrine that you expound to the masses and enslave them with uh, traditions of men and rules created by man, if you don't do works, it's dead. It's all dead, right? And the works is important because there is the demonstration, the proof, the validation, right? Why else would Jesus say, raise the dead? Because this gospel is about resurrection, restoration, the destroying of the works of the devil. He himself said in, uh, in the book of Luke records that when he stood up, he took the scroll of Isaiah. He said, I'm here to set captives free. And the captives that he was here to free was the entire line, the entire race of humanity after uh, the line of the first Adam who, who, from whose sin let death into the world. That's, that race is already condemned, the Bible says. Jesus came, the Bible declares, as the last Adam, that we could be translated out of death into life in, and, re, and adopted as a son, which means predestined to be conformed into his likeness, doing the same works. What works does faith do? Jesus said, uh, the same works I do, you will do and greater. And if you're preaching a gospel opposed to that, you are a false teacher. Okay? If you're listening to a gospel that's opposed to that, you're listening to a false teacher. There is no separation from Jesus and his resurrection and his works uh, concerning setting captives free and destroying the works of the devil. All right. Now, if that was too much, you should probably drop off now. <laughs> uh, but this is look, what you're hearing is someone who's speaking with authority. You're not used to it, maybe, if this is your first time. But the, the reason for this authority is to uh, preach and to heal the sick and to raise the dead and to drive out devils and to make disciples. Did you know that in the Bible when it says the word preach, in the Greek it's, it's, it means to declare with, a, with an authority and a gravity that, that uh, demands that people obey the truth. There is an obedience of faith. And Paul uh, declared that also, that we are here to bring about an obedience of faith in the nations. And we are certainly talking to the nations today. <coughs> so, let me just uh, say a couple things here and then I'll let James talk. 
Um, in Philippians 3, verse 10 and 11, Paul starts talking about uh, Jesus, that he may know him and the power of his resurrection, that he may sh uh, share in his sufferings, becoming like him. Let me just read it. And I'm going to read it in a couple translations. Um, and we'll just maybe uh, shed some light on it here. Verse 10, Philippians 3, that I may know him, speaking of Jesus, Paul writing, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And then he gives a reason that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now, you read multiple versions of multiple translations of this, they're all going to translate it differently, okay? So you got to go back to your original Greek. You got to go back to uh, studying what these words mean. You got to read it in context, try to see what Paul's saying. Let me read it in two more translations. This is, uh, this is the Passion Translation. This is not a translation I study, but it helps to bring a little bit of illumination to it. And this is a um, translation that brings it from the Aramaic, which is the language that Jesus spoke. He says in verse 10, this is Passion Translation, And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. <clears throat> I will be one with him in his sufferings. You hear that statement? You hear that resolve? I will be one with him in his sufferings and become like him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. All right. Now I'm going to read from a flip, uh, same verse from Philippians 3.10. This is the Weist translation. This is a literal, this is an uh, English translation that's translated literally from the Greek. So it's the... It's the most uh, accurate, you could say, Greek translation in the English language. <clears throat> says this, Yes, for his sake, I have been caused to forfeit all things. And I count them but dung in order that I may come to know him in an experiential way. And to come to know experientially the power of his resurrection and a joint participation in his sufferings, being brought to the place where my life will radiate a likeness to his death, if by any means I might arrive at the goal. And I know a lot of People out there have different goals concerning the gospel, concerning the word of God, concerning <clears throat> you know what they call church, concerning their own lives. But Paul is laying out for us, this is the word of God. He's talking about the goal, right? So if God has given us uh, writing here that declares what the goal is, we should probably read it, understand it, and pursue it ourselves. okay? Uh, if by any means I might arrive at the goal, namely the out-resurrection from, from among 
those who are dead. Okay? Now, you could take this verse a couple ways, right? And we don't have time to go into the word-by-word study here. But obviously, when we hear the word resurrection, there there is two resurrections coming at the return of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of those in Christ, where we get a, a glorious body, and we uh, live forever in that glorified body, indestructible body. Then there is a resurrection of judgment for all those who are not in Christ. And that judgment uh, sees those people uh, go into eternal death, uh, into the lake of fire with the devil and his angels. But what Paul is talking about here is not necessarily that resurrection, although, hey, that's a good goal. (laughs) The first resurrection is a good goal, folks. But what he's talking about here is this resurrection that I may be, uh, that I may be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So he's talking about that I may be one with him in the result of what happened when he was resurrected. The, co- the things that went into effect because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he said, I want to be one with that. I want to know him, which means I'm going to participate in his sufferings, and I'm going to become one experientially with his resurrection. Okay, And the reason for all of these things is because of the mission, right? It's not like we're all out here being martyrs and be like, oh, look how much we're suffering or look how much power we have. We're on a mission that can only be accomplished through resurrection power, right? Nope, lost somebody. We're on a mission that can only be accomplished by resurrection power. If you're not on a mission that can, that can only be accomplished by resurrection power, you're on the wrong mission, right? If Jesus... If his resurrection power was not required to fulfill the mission, then he didn't need to die. He didn't need to be raised from the dead, right? The the reason that we have Jesus being raised from the dead is for the results of that resurrection. And James is going to talk about uh, some of the different things here regarding that uh, with works and different stuff. But listen... Jesus said, I'm going to steal your scripture for just a minute, but I'm not going to read it. You can read it. He said, greater works you will do. The same works I do, you will do. And then he gave a clause to it or a because of it, right? And what was the reason? He said, because I go to the Father, right? And although Jesus was a, a perfect model of a mature son walking in the fullness of the Spirit. The Jesus that we now have residing in us is not that Jesus. It is the Jesus that was raised from the dead and seated in all authority in the heavens. Behold, Matthew 28, Behold, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And that's a huge statement. Because as we teach and as we've taught here, that uh, until that moment, uh, until the beginning of creation, until that moment, the devil ruled the earth with the dominion that God gave to man. And we don't have time to teach that. 
But if you've been listening to us, you understand what's happening there when Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. So if Paul says that I might achieve the goal, okay, okay, this goal is what I'm going to focus on for like two minutes here, and then I'm going to pass it to James. I got three minutes, actually. Uh, so in Philippians 3.14, so we're just going verse by verse here. He says, bearing down upon the goal. This is the Weiss translation, right? If, if God's saying in his word, hey, guys, there is a goal, the goal, we should be striving towards, uh, towards the goal, right? I am pursuing on for the prize of the call from above which is in Christ Jesus. What is this call from above? What is this thing that he's pursuing? That I may become one in his sufferings and experience experiential reality in his sufferings and of the power of his resurrection. All right? So Paul is saying, of course, this goes along with everything that Paul teaches. This is not like something different he's teaching here. Remember in Ephesians 4, when it says that he gave apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists for the perfecting of the saints, that they would do work, their own works of ministry, until we uh, reach the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Listen, he's talking about the exact same thing. Uh, let's go on. Verse 16. I could teach this for like a whole day. We only have two minutes. Philippians 3.16, only one thing so far as we have come, let us keep our lives in the same path. Oh my gosh, Paul's really laying it out here. The goal, the same path. What goal are we talking about? We're talking about becoming one with the resurrected Christ, sharing in the, uh, the sufferings because of this gospel, and also sharing in the resurrection, the effects of the resurrection, the experiential reality of this resurrection, okay? There is no such thing as a believer who, who cannot demonstrate the experiential reality of the resurrection of the dead. I mean, we got people on this call that have raised the dead. Jesus, that is one of the commands of Jesus, raise the dead, period, all right? Um... In Ephesians 1.18, uh, maybe 19, he says, What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to, you guessed it, the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So Paul is drawing a direct correlation with the path, the goal, the thing that we're striving for. He drew a, a direct correlation between that and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because that's not just a figure of speech. That's just not just a nice story. This has a real correlation. Because of this resurrection, he said, you will do greater works because I go to the Father. And he couldn't go to the Father without the resurrection. So let's just see the very first effect of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Matthew 27, 50, verse 50. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs 
Okay, we're talking about tombs here where dead people are stored. The tombs also were opened. Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. I don't hear this verse taught much or preached much. But when Jesus, even when he died, we see resurrection life occurred. It says, when he yielded up his spirit, many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. How old were these bodies? How long had they been dead? Hey, it doesn't matter. Because this is the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to wrap it up with this. This is Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Everything that Jesus did was for this resurrection to live inside of us. Everything that Jesus did was so that we would receive the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit by faith. And this is attached to the, the blessing of Abraham and all that. You can study it out and we even teach it from time to time here. But listen to this. Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says this. Um, that Christ became a curse for us, because cursed is every man who hangs on a tree, that through the blessing of Abraham we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit by faith. So everything that Jesus did on that cross was to, number one, uh, translate us out of death into life and make us sons, adopt us as sons, okay? He became what we were so we could become just like him. Now, that was for a purpose. You don't become a son without receiving his spirit. And this is the point, that you receive the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. What is the result of this spirit? You just go to church on Sunday, give him the offering, listen to a message, go home, you know, muddle through life. No, no, no. The... This, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will make you a, a nut like us. Will make you literally, will drive you to go door to door trying to find sick people to raise up. You know, we go out we go out there, go door to door, street by street, neighborhood by neighborhood. There are days when every single person that we touch is instantly healed. Does that remind you of anybody? Listen, it is the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And Paul said, this is the goal this is the path. And I didn't have time to read it, but he said, uh, there are some others who don't share this path. And But those who are mature in Christ, you know, if you're, if you're not going on this path, God will show you. And this is what we're talking about today. This is the path. But spiritual maturity will cause you to manifest the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You will walk in his ability and his authority. And as you renew your mind and come into agreement with God's word, you will begin to manifest Jesus Christ at will. Whenever the need arises, you will be able to say, be healed. You'll be able to say to demons, go, and they will go. We laid hands on a woman, uh, stage four cancer. Actually, it's a prayer cloth. We sent out these prayer cloths all over the place. I don't have one with me. Uh, but just about every week, we're mailing out these prayer cloths. That's when Acts 19, when um, Paul, they said they took, uh, aprons and handkerchiefs from his body and they put it on sick people and they were made well. Uh, we sent this prayer cloth to this woman, stage four cancer. They said, the doctor said there's too many tumors to count. Okay. 
We put a, they put a piece of cloth on her. And then they put her back in the tube. And in the scanning machine, they scanned her whole body again. And not a single tumor. How does this happen? Listen, it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It is the resurrected Christ that dwells in us by his spirit. And that authority and power empowers us to not only live life as he would live it, but also to keep his commands and uh, also to set captives free. Go. All right. <laughs> All right. Good morning, everybody. Or morning for us, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to talk real quick. So go right, go right along with what he was saying about believing. Okay? John 14, 12 through 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. <clears throat> if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So, if we believe in him, we will do the same works that he did. Correct? Correct. <clears throat> Correct. What are, some of, his, what are some of his works? Well, they are telling of the kingdom, helping those in need, loving your neighbor, setting the captives free, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, yep. sharing the gospel, demonstrating the gospel, yep. demonstrating the kingdom. Yep. Okay? Those are a must for a believer. If you want to call yourself a believer and you're not doing the gospel, you are lying. <clears throat> yeah. Put it bluntly. Yep. <clears throat> anyway, John 14, 15 through 17 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. What helper is he talking about? The Holy Ghost. Okay? Yep. So, we have Jesus saying that if we believe in him, then we will do the works that he did. Then he says that if we love him, then we will keep his commandments. What are some of his commandments? All the things that he told the disciples to do. Yep. Help those in need. Love Love others, heal the sick, raise the dead, te teach of the kingdom, share the gospel, and share the gospel to the entire world. Yeah. Okay? I'm trying to hurry because we're running out of time. <laughs> okay. You may think that you can't do that. You oh. may think that you cannot heal the sick. You may think that you cannot teach of the kingdom or teach the gospel or do the gospel. Okay? Well, you can. That's why he sent the helper. Yes. Okay. The Holy Ghost. So we can do his works. Whose works? The works of Jesus Christ. Follow his commands. Whose commands? Jesus' commands. Okay. Be what the church is supposed to be. Okay. We must demonstrate the kingdom if we are calling ourselves his 
or if we're calling ourselves part of the church. If we love him, we will follow his commands. If we love him, we will believe in him. Yeah. Okay? Believing in him is not just believing that he exists. Right. Okay? The demons believe that. Yep. <clears throat> okay? Yeah. But, but believing in him is believing everything about him, including his words. Yes. Okay? If not, then we don't truly believe and cannot call ourselves his. Right. <clears throat> There's more to believing than just believing that Jesus was born and died for our sins. Okay? Yes, he did all that, but you have to believe everything about him, what he came for. Okay? He came to subdue the earth. Okay? We now have that in us to subdue the earth. Yeah. But in order to do that, I want to jump over to James 4 7 real quick. <clears throat> Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Okay? it's Resist the devil. Resist. Like when you pray for a sick person, if, you, if you're not seeing immediate results, the enemy jumps in and says, Hey, it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. Now, that's when you need to resist. Okay? You have to resist. If you go and say, you're, Oh, my gosh, it's not working. You just agreed with the enemy. Yeah. And you got out of you got out of agreement with the Father. You got out of agreement with Jesus Christ. You stepped into agreement with the enemy. Okay? That's why we have to resist. Believers, true believers, do the works of the gospel. True believers demonstrate the kingdom. True believers follow all Jesus' commands, and they will resist the enemy. Amen. Okay? Yes. To put it bluntly. I mean, kind of back to you in a corner, you know, ask yourself, am I a believer? Do I follow Jesus' commands? Hopefully you say yes. <laughs> if not, we'll start. It's not too late. It's not too late. <laughs> start. Choose to believe every word that Jesus said. Okay? The words Amen. that Jesus spoke were his Father's words. Correct? Yeah. Wow. So... Follow the commands. Be the church. Subdue this earth in Jesus' name. 